Welcome to Mind Meets Body and Soul, a podcast that connects the dots between clinical mental health and spiritual holistic wellness. I'm Heather, a licensed clinical social worker and mental health guru. And I'm Devin, a Reiki master, spiritual teacher, and lover of all things woo-woo. We're here to discuss various wellness topics, highlighting the connection between the mind, body, and soul. We'll be offering nuggets of wisdom from each of our fields with the ultimate goal of bridging the gap between our two worlds. Whether you lean more into cognitive psychology or flow with the woo-woo waters, our intention is to help you prioritize yourself and unlock a fresh perspective to healing, growth, and expansion. We're so excited you're here. Let's jump in. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 20 of Mind Meets Body and Soul. Today, we have a very sleepy Heather and Devin here. Heather, how are you doing besides tired? Tired and yawning. I'll be yawning (laughs) all episodes. So I apologize to everyone who's watching uh, to tune into this week because I'm tired, but I'm also feeling like my heart is full. It's this Mm -hmm. weird conflict between like feeling really I don't want to say energized, maybe like rejuvenated and well and happy and full, but also exhausted at the same time. How about you? Very much with you there. I posted this last night before I went to bed. I'm happy, sleepy, but extremely grateful. And um, yeah, perfect way to say it. Yeah. So before we get into that and why we are so sleepy, but happy and grateful, uh, we have congratulations in order for you. Fun announcement. Take it away. Yes. I um, landed my second corporate therapy contract with a company in Philadelphia. So we're expanding the branch of our group practice or growing mindset therapy is growing um, in that like we're offering more corporate therapy services. So I'm really, really excited to see what comes of this and, and where this all goes. So if anybody's interested in learning more about corporate therapy, I know a lady. (laughs) Honestly, every time you share the ways in which your business is expanding, it's so exciting and inspiring on so many levels because you've been adding to your team. You've been taking on different therapists under Growing Mindset Therapy, and then now expanding into now a second company is just so cool. This is such a big thing to celebrate. So I love just being able to take time on this podcast and to acknowledge and celebrate you. Thank you. I know you and everyone that's listening knows that's not an easy thing for me um, to do and accept, but I will say that I think our podcast is working for me too because on my way to Philly last week, I did find myself like feeling really grateful and just proud of myself for doing the work that allowed this, um, this opportunity to come about. So I'm also feeling very grateful and a little bit proud too. Good. As you should, well-deserved. And now for why Heather and I are so sleepy, but happy and grateful at the same time. We both just came from the Little Words Project Jersey Shore Wellness Getaway in Long Branch, New Jersey. It was hosted yesterday. We're recording today, early August. So by the time this episode comes out, it'll be a couple of weeks past. But had this wellness retreat yesterday. Heather, it was so cool to share this experience with you. Do you want to share a little bit about what this event was and how it went for us? Yeah, I think it was an amazing opportunity. The Little Words Project hosted 
an event for um, people purchased a ticket and they came for this full day of wellness festivities. And one part of that was there was a variety of small business owners, I think mostly, if not all women owned businesses that were there as vendors to offer information on our services and our businesses to the participants of the wellness getaway event. But also we shared little fun like wellness activities too. So Devin and I each had a table separately to represent our businesses. And then we also bridged the gap as we do here um, with a little table in between our tables about our podcast. So it was really fun to just meet so many other business owners, meet so many amazing people. I'm just so, I'm still kind of like reeling from it. It was a, a big day full of a lot of big, happy, grateful feelings. It really was. And it still makes me smile that every time uh, somebody asked us, oh, are you two together? We would answer, well, yes and no. <laughs> you know, people saw our yeah. <laughs> our mini table in between our own separate tables. And it was cool because we had our own like individual independent business representation and then also had taken the time as well to share about our podcast and I know we connected with so many great women. You shared so many valuable resources, therapy tools, and fun activities. I checked chakras, balanced, and aligned them. And then in the middle was our podcast and connecting with so many of these different um, women and sharing about what our podcast aims to do really was just so much fun. So for those of you that we met at yesterday's Little Words Project Wellness Getaway, welcome. We're so happy to have you here. Yes, we are, which brings us right into today's episode, which is a fun episode. I know we both enjoy these episodes. We're going to be hosting um, a Q&A episode. We received a few questions from our listeners through the link that we've been posting and promoting. So do you want to just jump right in? Let's jump in. All right. The first question it says how to recover slash heal from the exhaustion that comes with extreme feelings. It's like perfectly on par with what we're perfectly feeling today. Yeah. Did you want to start us off on that one? Yeah. I tell people often when you're talking about like, I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling angry. It's one thing to say, I was feeling this way, but that moment or that feeling comes with so much in a moment where I'm feeling any kind of feeling, I have racing thoughts. I have physical sensations that are happening in my body. I have behaviors, things that I'm doing. I also have urges or things that I like want to be doing, run, scream, cry. So a feeling is an intense thing to begin with. How to recover from that, I want to say start by validating it and like acknowledge that like it's okay if it's hard. And to sit in a feeling is no easy feat, especially as here in New Jersey, in the US, I think society tells us to like stuff our feelings down or put your big girl panties on and deal with it or suck it up or man up. And like, we're not often encouraged. We don't necessarily always feel like we have the skills to actually feel a feeling and let alone acknowledge how hard that is. I think it's important to know that just like we have things that drain us, we also have to have things that fill us back up too. So whether that's resting, whether that's 
going for a run, going for a walk, grounding ourselves, whatever the feeling does, check in with that. Is this feeling energizing me? Is this feeling draining me? And then whatever that's doing is going to tell you how you need to recover from it. You either need to rest, you either need to do something to burn off or get rid of some of that energy. So it really does start with me by tuning in and by validating the feelings. What do you think? That makes total sense. And if I were to answer that question right off the bat, I would have said, feeling is hard. Yeah. It's just as you said. And I love that you offered that reminder to like give ourselves permission to accept that that is hard. It is hard to feel. And also that permission to take rest when you need it. Because I find that that's a big thing is like people need that reminder that like it's okay. It's actually encouraged and it's really important for you to rest. And with anything extreme is going to come a need for rest and recuperation. Yeah. So feel the feelings. They're going to be hard. And I think the other thing too is that like I've learned in my experience as a therapist over the years, we also go through varying levels. There's this thing called a window of tolerance and not to like go on too much of like a clinical rant here, but our feelings oftentimes are uncomfortable and we try to avoid them. And then the more we try to avoid them, the less emotional strength we have. That's where our window of tolerance gets a little bit smaller. So this person said that like they're having extreme feelings without knowing anything about this person or who they are. That makes me think that maybe their window of tolerance has gotten a little smaller or maybe their emotional strength has gotten a little bit less strong. Um, And maybe the more that you're doing the feeling as exhausting as that is, and I know that I'm not trying to discredit that at all, as exhausting as that can be, you're building your strength in doing that too. So every time you're feeling a feeling, even if it's extreme, if it's a 10 out of 10, the most extreme feeling you've had, more often than not, the next time you feel that feeling, it might be like a 9.8 out of 10 or a 9.5. And it'll start slowly feeling less and less extreme because you're feeling stronger and stronger as a result of doing all that hard feeling. So also know that like there is often a light at the end here where it's not always going to feel quite so extreme. They'll always be tiring and they'll always be, you know, feelings are feelings, but you are building strength along the way, the more you feel them too. That's such a good point. I know in a previous episode when we talked about, um, I think it was like talking about that this topic of vulnerability and how our favorite Brene Brown has reminded us that we can't shut off or we can't numb certain feelings and not feel others. Like you're either feeling the high highs and the low lows, or you're not feeling anything at all. And so it's a reminder that like those extreme feelings they may not always be to the degree as you as you mentioned like when we first start really feeling things or when we return back to really feeling things they may seem really dramatic i like how you suggested that over time those high highs and low lows might not feel as high or as low but it is an important part of living like wholeheartedly to experience the extremes of of our emotions yeah Exactly. And I'm curious too, Devin, in in your world from an energetics perspective, what does this all look like? We've talked about before in previous episodes that all of our emotions carry with them a vibrational frequency. Emotions are simply just energy in motion. And emotions being energy, energy carrying a vibrational frequency, 
I've mentioned before that some of those like more seemingly positive emotions that we experience, happiness, joy, love, carry with them a much higher frequency than those seemingly negative emotions such as grief, anger, sadness, etc. And so I find that when we are in those extreme high states or when we're in those extreme low states, we can't really sustain those all the time. This is actually really making me think of yesterday's experience. Yesterday was such a like high vibrational frequency day for us. We were constantly socializing, you know, meeting new people, having these heart-filling conversations and experiences, sharing healing with one another. And then today here, you and I are, I had this wonderful experience, but find ourselves to be really sleepy. I don't know about you, but I'm like very slow moving today and, you know, a little like lethargic. So that's kind of a perfect model for what it's like to go from that extreme feeling and then to have to recover from it the next day. And My suggestion would be the same as yours is recognizing where your energy level is at and then allowing yourself or giving yourself permission to rest as you need it. I like that you're talking about this too from like yesterday is a good example of how like a a positive as as some people would think or a good feeling. I'm not saying there's good or bad feelings, but the feelings we had yesterday, the gratitude, the connection, like all of those things are like what you would think of as like more joyful or like positive feelings. And they're still just as exhausting. (laughs) I'm like just as emotionally hungover, if you will, today as I might have felt if I was feeling like really down or really low. So this is, this is all the feelings, every single feeling on a feelings wheel can lead you to like have a need from that. You need to recover in one way or another. So I think it's important to just be able to see that from like a happy feeling, a joyful feeling, a grateful feeling, but also from a low mood, exhaustion, bored, angry, sad, tired, you know, the whole spectrum Mm -hmm. of feelings are included here. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, just to sum that up too, is like coming, recovering from that extreme high or low state you're looking to find some kind of balance, right? As opposed to going from one extreme to the next extreme, which we do, but ideally I think we want to find ourselves like in the middle, like this homeostasis level where we're like, it's kind of balanced out. So whether that is taking rest for yourself or doing any of the other self-care routines or practices that you have in your toolbox would be really helpful. Yeah. Ready for question two? Ready. All right. That was a good question. Great question. How do I find the balance between trying to be helpful to others and not feeling the pressure to fix everyone's problems? (laughs) That sounds like a question that I've asked myself before. Right. I have a few things in mind, um, and this is probably like a reflection of my own (laughs) wonderings. I think that this is something that a lot of us either struggle with or have a tendency to do is to want to be the fixer, the solver, the nurturer. And I think in terms of what to do, my first kind of action step is to get curious. You know, oftentimes people ask like, well, how do I tackle this? How do I do this? And they're looking for like an actionable step. And I think like that first actionable step is actually kind of asking yourself like, well, where does this come from for me? First of all, where does this need to jump in and solve the problem or to jump in and fix 
somebody, something, an experience, a relationship, a person, et cetera. Where does that come from? And I'm kind of thinking of it in terms on like three different levels. On the more macro level, I feel like this urge or this tendency to want to help change, fix, solve, et cetera, comes like from that societal conditioning. I know at least in the United States too, we are rewarded for showing up 100%, working, 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 always being there, always giving our all. And so then we like sub or unconsciously bring that into our personal lives where we try to do the same thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And then I think we have like, you know, bringing that in a little bit further, that question of like, well, where does this come from is like looking then at the ways that our family, friends, community also handles or also behaves around one another. Like, do you have a parent figure that's always jumping in to solve a problem or that always wants to take care? So on the macro level, I think it's about taking all the ways in which that like need to solve, fix, change, nurture is modeled to us or the expectations that are held for us. And then I think on another level, like coming more to that like micro level, um, you know, there's two parts to this. In the conversation that you and I shared, um, getting to know your podcast host, we spoke a lot about your um, astrology and how your big three signs are like all signs pointing towards you being a nurturer, towards you wanting to help restore order, bring balance to people, to their relationships. And so there's a part of us that's like innate, like this inherent sense or tendency to want to help um, and to want to nurture. That's a good point. And I, that's part of what my response was going to be too, is that like this person said, like, how do I not feel the pressure? I think you're going to feel the pressure. Like if, if you're a person that cares about the well-being and the needs of others, you're going to feel that pressure and you're going to care. And, and part of that comes from your family. Some of that comes from society. Some of that comes from like at birth, your your natal chart and your astrology sign and your human design type, like all of these different factors. So there's a lot of of things I'm hearing that you're saying that are resonating with me too. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. And then the last piece of that that I was thinking of before I turn the question to you is the more difficult or the more unpopular practice of asking yourself, where did this come from? And that's kind of taking a look at like, why do I feel the need to change or help or fix this situation, person, relationship, et cetera. And personally, for me, when I was just starting out my healing journey, I was very much that person. I was always the teacher, the nurturer, the helper, the fixer in all things for better, oftentimes for worse, especially when it came to like my relationships. And going through that deep healing work, as we kind of talked about in the guest episode with Michelle, a lot of it was in understanding that it was so much easier for me to look at everything around me and to see how everything around me needed to be helped, changed, fixed, healed than it was to look within myself and to ask myself the question of like, oh, where do I need healing? Where, where do I need a little bit of support? And so that would be kind of that third piece, like on that very micro level, like really going inwards as well. I always find now being in this healing space that the things that we see in others, the things that we have the urge or feel the urge to help others with or help or fix others or heal others are often the things that we also need 
ourselves. Just like we've said in the past, like you as a therapist, me as a healer teacher, the things that we speak to are oftentimes the reminders that we need the most as well. So when it comes to answering this question, like going through this practice of asking yourself, you know, where did this come from? Not in a derogatory way, but just in a curious way, like where did this come from? I think that we can find a lot about ourselves to kind of get to the root of it all. I like that you incorporated the macro micro levels. Like that's very, that speaks to me. That speaks to what I know in my world too. I think that there's a lot of different parts to this answer and it's, it's more complicated than just saying like, this is how you find the balance here. It's, it's looking large. It's looking small. It's looking inward. So there's so many different layers for sure. Yeah. What about you? What, what comes to mind with this topic? I have two thoughts that come to mind um, in reading this question. One is I remember when I graduated, I think from grad school, I remember reading this quote and it said like she needed a hero. So that's what she became. And that's what's like coming to mind reading this question is that there's probably, again, without knowing, because these are all anonymous questions, without knowing anything about this person, I think seeing people struggle, seeing people um, have a hard time, seeing people go through a problem probably stirs something up for this person. You, whoever this is, or anyone that experiences this, have a big heart and you're a caring person. And the more you care, the more you care. So the more pressure you're going to feel to want to fix this for them. So I think just like acknowledging what's coming up for you, like you said, Devin, and trying to figure out where is this coming from for me? Maybe there is something that I can do to help. Maybe there's not. And that's where there's a little bit of acceptance work again. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah. And I think that's a great reminder too, is like it's coming from a well-intentioned place. Which kind of is a segue into part two of my response is just like they say, it's so cliche, but just like they say on the airplanes, you have to put your own oxygen mask on first before helping anybody else. So I think the balance comes from accepting and acknowledging that like the best way for me actually to show up for someone else is to start by taking care of myself and acknowledging that I might not be able to fix all of the things for you especially if I have unfixed stuff myself. I've said it before. I know that people think of self-care as selfish, but I think it's something that we have to do. So that balance to me is also saying that like you're giving more than you're receiving and you have to be able to show up for yourself and put your own oxygen mask on. Ask others for help too. There's something that's leading to this imbalance So you have to do, you're accountable and responsible to do some of that work for yourself to help yourself feel more balanced. Absolutely. Yeah. Always a helpful reminder and always like kind of one of the hardest things to do is to like put ourselves first because we're not taught, conditioned, and necessarily rewarded for that at younger ages. And I think that also really ties in with the question that I posed of like, well, where does this come from? Okay. So like looking at like, if you are somebody that does tend to give more than you receive to help others more than you help or take care of yourself, coming back to that question of, okay, where does this come from? Definitely helpful there. And you know what, you and I were having this conversation after the event we were grabbing a bite to eat. And I was curious because I was asking you about your business, Growing Mindset Therapy, and how you're in a place right now where 
you are fully booked. You're not taking on any new clients. You have all of these great therapists, you know, under your company. You just took on this corporate contract. And, you know, if you don't mind me asking for you, I'd ask you that question of like, well, what is that like? Because when you're connecting with people, is there a part of you that's like, I want to be your therapist? Or like, is there a part of other people that are like, I'm meeting you, owner of Growing Mindset Therapy. Can you be my therapist? That's so hard. That's one of the hardest things for me to do. I mean, I had the corporate contract I have in Philly reach out and they were like, can you be our therapist? And I would love nothing else than to be everyone's therapist. One, I don't, there's not enough hours in the day, but two, like then I'm not going to be able to be a wife to my husband and a sister and a daughter and a friend. I think in starting my business that had to become in order to grow it into what it is today. I had to really prioritize that and other things in my life, not because I didn't love them, but because of the energy I was pouring into my business, a lot of other things in my life took a back seat for a time being. And I had a lot of grief there. I had a lot of feelings about that. That's really hard. I would love nothing more than to be everything for everyone. And that's, I, that's just not possible. So I have to remind myself saying no is hard and it's not because I don't care, but it's because I also care about other things too. And I have to maintain some sort of balance. I don't think balance here is like arriving at this level place. I think of those like weeble wobble toys as like, they're just like, sometimes they lean to the left. Sometimes they lean to the right. Sometimes they're leaning forward. As long as we're trying to, like you said in the last answer, come back to this homeostasis. I think that's what's important here. Yeah. Thank you for answering that. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put you on spot like that, but I just felt like our conversation about it yesterday was like perfectly timed for this question that we received. And similarly for me too, and I know that we've talked about this, like sometimes when people come to us, like we have the natural tendency to want to solve all of their problems and to be with them from the very start to the very end. Like if I could work with some clients for the rest of their life, you know, like that would probably make me feel happy in some way because I want to be there for the journey. I want to be celebrating, supporting them the whole way through. And that's just not how it's going to go more often than not. And and for good reason too, because as you said, like you can't be everything for everyone, no matter how much you want to. And that's coming back to that natural like tendency or that desire to just be a helpful nurturing, supportive person, that part of you is never going to change. And it's a lot of acknowledging and accepting that you cannot be everything for everyone, be everywhere for ev- for everyone. And that, you know, you are number one priority in your life. Yeah. And it's an uncomfortable thing. I mean, this person clearly cares. So I think it's also just spending a little bit of time, like, validating that too, that like you said, Devin, like you're coming, your intention here is only good, is only pure. And that makes this even harder. So know that like, that's okay too. That's real and very valid. Yes. Another beautiful question. Mm-hmm. And we just have one more. Um, so this person says, I've been catching up on the podcast and I'm loving it. I've tried to find my own human design type, but I don't know my birth time because I'm adopted. Hmm. So the question is about birth time or is it about human design chart? I think it's about human design type, but how to, how to find it if you don't know your birth time. Got it. Yeah. So this one's um, a big one too, for those 
because there are many of us, whether you were adopted or not, there are many of us who just don't know, don't have rec record or, you know, somebody to turn to, to ask about birth time. So to answer the question about like, can I find my chart without my birth time? That answer is no, because you do, you do need your birth time to access your human design chart. And also similarly in astrology with astrology, you can find out your sun sign and your moon sign. But if you're looking for your ascendant, your rising sign, and really to put all the, the pieces of the puzzle together, you do need your birth time as well, which is challenging. However, there is a solution for that. And listeners, you're just going to have to bear with me here. But when I was going through this, when I was exploring astrology, I did feel like it was inaccessible to me or not fully accessible to me because I didn't have that birth time. And I remember listening to my astrologer now, Maddie Murphy, I was listening to her podcast where she had on there um, renowned astrologer Deborah Silverman. And after listening to that podcast episode, I reached out to Deborah's team to see if there was any way that I could find out my rising or ascendant sign without having my birth time. And to my surprise, her team referred me to their chart rectification specialist. So there is something, there is a, such a role as a chart rectification specialist. And when it comes to astrology, when it comes to your birth time, there is record of where every single planet, star, whatever is in any given moment. So in this chart rectification session, I was asked for big milestones that have occurred in my life and where they occurred, a specific date or at least um, time frame of date, and then um, the, the area in which I was. So for example, like entered my first relationship in this month, year, and in this place graduated from college in this month, year, and specific place in the world. And then there's a computerized system. I don't know how it works, but I know that it's a you know computerized system. So it's not like somebody is just making it up where you're plugging in all this different, different information and out comes a number of suggested birth times. The results for me came out at 80% accuracy. There were two different results that came out that could possibly be my suggested birth times. And again, it may not be down to the very minute. However, it's at least a great estimate because every few minutes, the the planets are, are shifting into different degrees and different signs and whatnot. So may not have a um, an exact minute, but with 80% accuracy, I was able to kind of narrow down the choices for my rising sign, my ascendant sign, down to two different signs. The astrologer at the time read the information or read what it would be like to have that rising sign for that birth time. And right away, there was one Virgo rising that I was like, yeah, absolutely, that is me. And then there was another birth time associated with a different rising sign that I was like, yeah, that doesn't sound anything like me. Long story short, from there, I was able to gather a birth time. Again, it's not going to be 100%. I don't need to know that it's at 100% accuracy, but it at least gave me some kind of starting point for exploring my chart. So I know the question was around human design, human design and astrology, both similar in that you do need to have your birth time for that. And there is such a thing as a chart rectification specialist. So if anybody's listening who doesn't have their birth time and would really like to 
um, access it, find out more, I would be happy to pass along the contact. It's opened a lot of doors for me. And yeah, that's what I have. That's pretty cool. I didn't even know that that type of person existed. So, and I think that's really helpful for a lot of people to find answers that they're looking for. Like if we're longing for this information or we just, it's calling to us that we want to know, you deserve to know, and there's a way to find out. So I think that's really helpful. And that was another great question. Yeah. I'm really glad that you had somebody ask you that. And I hope for many who are looking to explore that as well, it does offer some kind of relief for them. Yeah. And along the topic of human design too, I'm happy to share that we are looking forward to bringing on my human design coach, Cynthia, into a future guest episode. So stay tuned for all of the wisdom that she has to share with us. I'm very excited for that. And I think this was another really fun episode. I love bringing in these Q&A episodes because I think it gives us the opportunity to hear from our listeners and speak directly to you and some of the things that are happening in your life. So thank you for all who um, submitted questions. We appreciate every single one that we received. Thanks, Devin, for tuning in to another episode and sharing such insight and making it through. We made it to the end. So I don't we think did. I yawned that much, which was good. <laughs> no, I think we, we did pretty well with that. So another episode down. Always love answering our listener questions like this. If you have any other questions upon listening to this episode or after any episode, know that we have in our highlights in our My Meets Body and Soul Instagram, the link for posting questions. Or if you're not on Instagram, feel free to shoot us an email, mindmeetsbodyandsoul at gmail.com. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. See you next week. Bye. We are so glad that you took the time to share this space with us. We'll be releasing new episodes of Mind Meets Body and Soul every Tuesday, so be sure to give us a follow and share this podcast with those you love. To connect with us and join our communities, head to the show notes where you'll find our contact information and individual websites. Until next week, stay grounded, keep growing, and trust that everything you seek is unfolding for you.